Welcome to the Data-Driven CX Podcast by Informatica. In this podcast, the fundamentals, real-life practices and impact of data-driven CX are explored in conversations with industry thought leaders and successful business leaders. I'm your host, Nienke Bloom, and my guest today is Jean Cornfield, Managing Director and Experience Transformation Lead at Accenture Interactive. And you know, or maybe you don't, but this is part two of the conversation we had. The other one, part one, we broadcasters last week. So this is part two and the final part of our talk about data-driven CX from the perspective of Accenture being an important partner of Informatica. When, when, when looking at these customer journeys, but also when you take it bigger, going back to that transformation part, what, what in your perspective are the key elements of success of these transformations? So we look at five dimensions of a holistic company transformation that is oriented toward growth uh, as as the primary driver. And I'll go through the the five dimensions individually, uh, and there's a lot of depth under each, but I want to make sure that we address each in a little bit of detail because, as we said earlier, talking about customer journeys, some of these are words that people use a lot, but without defining how we use them, it may be uh, misleading. So the first dimension is for a company to be purpose-led. Now, I think most of us understand that purpose is not cause marketing and is is more than just creating a meticulously crafted uh, statement that gets applied to walls and websites and t-shirts. It goes deeper than that. And so there are actually three layers of purpose. The first is what I call big P purpose, and that's the company's purpose. What is the company's role in the world? And then you have medium P purpose or brand purpose. And that is, what is the company's role in the lives of its customers? And then small P purpose, which is customer purpose. And of course, our customers come to us with any number of purposes over the course of their relationship with the company. And when you identify this universe of purposes, it comprises what I call your customer's purpose portfolio. And for BX companies, and in particular, BX marketing organizations, sales and service organizations, understanding your customer's purpose portfolio is as important, if not more important, than understanding your own product portfolio. Because each purpose in that portfolio is the end point of a customer journey. Each purpose in that portfolio is the thing around which experiences are designed. The other thing to consider besides those three layers of purpose is that if all you do is define these beautiful aspirational statements, but don't actually change how anyone does their job, you know, you, you set yourself up to create very high expectations that the organization is not likely to deliver on. So you now have to think about alignment of roles and goals, meaning does every team and every employee understand how their job, you know, overall and day to day, how does it align to helping realize each of those layers of purpose? And do they have measured objectives that they're evaluated on uh, in addition to whatever their, their MBOs are that align to one or more of those layers of purpose? So that's about really being purpose-led, right? Not just having a a beautifully crafted statement that gets put on walls and websites and t-shirts. 
The second dimension after purpose-led is to truly be customer-obsessed. And of course, everyone, every, you ask anyone, they'll say, of course, we're customer-first, we're customer-centric. And there's, it's, it's like a 21st century religion where there's a sect of zealots for whom being customer-centric is not an extreme enough orthodoxy, the self-proclaimed customer-obsessed. Well, let's actually peel that back and recognize that you can't just keep saying it and make it true. There are three dimensions of customer centricity or customer obsession. The first I call perspective, which is how we think. The second, practice or what we do. And the third, performance, what we measure. And that's actually where CPIs fit in as a customer centric or customer obsessed way of measurement. And when we change our perspective or how we think from company centric to customer centric or customer obsessed in a truly uh, authentic way, we transform culture. And when we change what we do, practice to be more customer obsessed, we're, we're, we're having to transform operations. And when we transform what we measure, our performance from company centric to customer centric, that's when we are able to transform outcomes. So we have purpose-led, customer-obsessed. The third layer is experience-driven. And again, because when we think about experience, it's about how customers react and feel, not just how interaction points look and feel, but about how customers react and feel when pursuing a purpose important to them. The three sub-dimensions there are defining purpose. And this is where we create customer archetypes and mindsets and lean personas and the types of customer journeys that we just talked about that align with that customer purpose portfolio. After defining purpose, we have to think about designing for purpose. And this is where experience design and content authoring and content architectures, use of digital twins um, and, and our, our creative sets, and then delivering on purpose. How do our operating models need to change? How do we orchestrate interactions using data, which we'll talk about in a minute, but how do we orchestrate interactions so it feels to the customer not just like a series of one-off interactions where they're starting over every time, but how do we actually emulate what we as humans have been conditioned to expect for 200,000 years? Because the anthropologists will say, with all of the technological advances that have happened and cultural advances over the last 200,000 years, physiologically, we as a species are largely wired exactly the same as our ancient ancestors. And for 199,900 of those 200,000 years, when we would engage with another entity to achieve some purpose, it was face-to-face, eye-to-eye, in a dialogue. Because nothing digital existed, TV didn't exist, radio didn't exist. Yes, there was the ability to write letters and, and read and things like that, but remember, mo much of the population was not literate. So uh, we are pre-wired for dialogues. Now, if you think about that, Nika, if you came to me and said, you know, um, hey, you know, I'm trying to achieve X. And I would think about that and I would respond with a question or a comment or a recommendation. Well, by you're telling me what you're looking for, you're feeding me data. And as I'm listening to what you're telling me, theoretically, I have some expertise in the area, 
And as I'm processing what you're telling me, those are simply algorithms in my brain. And when I respond with a question or comment or, uh, or recommendation, that's content. And so we are used to going back and forth in this exchange of data for content, data for content, focused not on the product that I want to sell, focused on the purpose that you want to solve. And so tomorrow I could think, oh, you know what? I forgot to ask Nick the question and I text you. Hey, Nick, had you thought about X, Y, and Z? Now, it's the exact same dialogue picked up right where we left off, just in a different channel. And because you're driving, you don't text me back. You pick up, you see, you, you click my phone number, you call me and say, hey, Gene, I saw your question. The answer is ABC. Same dialogue picked up right where we left off, just in a different channel. And so the idea here is when we are using either digital touch points, human touch points, physical touch points, we use data and artificial intelligence to tailor and personalize the content that is getting delivered to each customer. So it feels to them like a contiguous dialogue, which means that one of the roles of data is to serve as memory and content is essentially our end of that two-way conversation. And the technology we use has to be able to orchestrate those interactions to feel to the customer like a contiguous dialogue, again, not focused on the product we want to sell, but on the purpose they want to solve. Whether, that is, whether each of those interaction points are something that marketing owns or that sales might own or that customer service might own. And so that's sort of when we get into, and there's some detailed operating model decisions to make there, but that's experience driven. The next layer underneath it, not surprisingly, is being data and AI enabled. And the thing, the three dimensions to consider there are real-time personalization, using data to orchestrate things like dialogues as we discussed, uh, and being able to have fragments of content that use a multifaceted metadata tagging taxonomy that matches the metadata tagging taxonomy you have on all your data. The second thing is not surprisingly a single view of the customer. And the third, making sure that you have ways of thinking about the volume, variety, and velocity of how you're using data. Having really solid master data management from the beginning is so key. And again, that's where Informatica plays probably the mo most prominent role uh, of, of anyone that I've worked with. And again, we talked about, you know, start simple, but with the right tools and practices. So that's data and AI enabled, and then technology scaled. That is the, the final and fifth dimension, but it's the last thing we consider. And the three things we think about there are the technologies of experience, whether it's customer data platforms, content management systems, marketing resource management uh, systems, customer experience management, e-commerce, et cetera. And we think about using two-speed IT and using APIs with headless architectures and really looking at how do we have as much of our technology platform portfolio as possible, taking advantage of cloud offerings. And so when you think about those five layers, if we think you know, from the top, you've got sort of purpose-led, customer-obsessed, experience-driven, that's where mindsets come in and drive. And if we go from the bottom up through technology scaled and data and AI enabled into experience driven, 
that's where tool sets and skill sets come in. So it's actually that middle layer of experience where mindsets, tool sets, and skill sets all converge to enable truly transformative outcomes that are focused on the customer and ensuring that our operations and our mindsets and our content and everything that we do is anchored on how do we help as many customers as possible achieve the outcomes important to them and use data and technology to tailor and personalize those dialogues and experiences and interactions at mass scale, knowing that the better a job we do of enabling our customers to achieve the outcomes or purposes important to them, the greater value customers will return to our companies in the form of sales, growth, profitability, loyalty, lifetime value. I think the way that you describe the model, but those are the holistic few on it all and the two paths that you describe, I think are for many people like, yeah, it sounds so logic, but looking at it, it also feels like like changing the whole company, like the purposes, the three different uh, levels on purpose, but changing all these things is like, where should companies start when looking at this? What's your suggestion? Because many people are like, oh, I want to start, but where? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And that's often both the hardest and the easiest. I mean, the easy answer is, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? But similarly, we have many companies that do start at the enterprise level, really thinking about purpose and working their way through it. Again, working at two speeds, you know, delivering on immediate priorities, but also taking a step back to lay the groundwork and the vision and strategy for how do they move forward thoughtfully and judiciously and, and realize value iteratively over time. But that can also be done at the departmental or team level. So the key here again is at whatever level you're starting, define your organization's purpose, whether it's at the company level, the brand level, or even a team level. What is your purpose? And make sure that it's more about customers than it is about yourselves. And it's not about what we do to customers or what customers do for us but about what we do for, or even better, what we do with customers. And part of that too is research-based, but I wanna make sure that we draw the distinction between surveys and other forms of evaluative or quantitative research. And we focus at this stage on exploratory, ethnographic, qualitative research to really understand customers deeply, even though they are small populations, understand the nature of unmet needs or pain points or unarticulated needs or current experiences that customers are having. We can figure out the number of customers having them with a follow-up quant research later on, but for now, we want those great exploratory insights. And so you can even just pick, you know, if you, let's say you have a customer life cycle that could be something like learn, uh, buy, get, use, pay, renew, whatever it happens to be, pick one of those or even a subset in one of those to do some exploratory research. And uh, once you have those research insights of understanding the customers better and the customer's purpose portfolio within that area of learn, buy, get, use, pay, whichever one you choose, you'll also be able to derive artifacts like customer mindsets and lean personas and archetypes and uh, current state journeys and you'll have insights to be able to inform ideation of what the future state experience should be. And then there are methods that you can use to look at the 50 or 100 great concepts that have been ideated 
and just run quick analysis. First, what's the relative customer impact? And you can use t-shirt sizes, small, medium, large, extra large. What is the business impact? And again, you can use t-shirt sizes or depending on your business, you can say, well, this is a $50 million impact or 100 million or 500 million or $5 billion impact. And once you understand the potential impact of each concept, you go through what, what I call capability dependency analysis, which is for each concept, what capabilities or dependencies must exist or must be true in order for the company to deliver on that concept. And those capabilities and dependencies might be certain types of data or certain sources of data. It might be technological dependencies or capabilities or operational or organizational. And as you do that analysis for each concept, you build out a matrix that allows you to see that many concepts have many shared dependencies or capabilities. And then quickly just do a current state analysis for each of those capabilities or dependencies. Where are we today? And which of these concepts can we actually do in the near term because there's good impact, but low dependencies or capabilities that we don't yet have? And that way, and then you figure out based on that analysis, what does the longer term roadmap look like so that you can start? And, you know, this is a few month effort. It's not, you don't, you, you don't start day one in terms of what are you going to execute, but it also doesn't take years of planning. This is a, you know, a three, four month effort typically. And now you have your roadmap and you understand what the work plan looks like on what teams need to do what work. So everyone's oars are in the water, rowing in the same direction, but you're able to start this going back to what we were saying earlier about how do you make sure you're delivering near term value? Well, you pick those new concepts that are high impact for customers that have low dependencies on capabilities or, or, or things that don't exist, or that they're things that can be addressed in relatively short time with relatively short money. And you then iteratively execute on those different concepts and underlying capabilities as needed over time so that you get into a mode where you are constantly delivering new value and not waiting years for that value to accrue, but you know it's, it's a matter of months. And then quarter after quarter, you're delivering new value. And rather than being stuck, making incremental improvements from your current state, you have the exact same teams putting in the same amount of effort, but they're making iterative progress toward the future state. And so it's a little bit of going slow to go fast, but this is how companies get out of the mode where they're just applying 21st century tools to their 20th century business function and really transform to be a modern 21st century company that authentically puts customers at the center and uses data and technology, not to scale their business function, but to scale how they can be customer obsessed and personalized to every customer at mass scale. I think it's very, very interesting. And what when you look at, and the listeners of our podcast are data-driven CX leaders, um, and they have a very important role in this transformation. Like looking at that, seeing the successful leaders, what do they do? What kind of behavior or decisions? What do you see them do? Mm, uh, I'd say four, four things. First, find a balance to operate at two speeds. Yes, you have to devote resources to making progress on your core and the key deliverables or, or outcomes that are expected of you. 
but also make sure you're doing what we just talked about, about laying the groundwork for transformation and executing that transformation in a thoughtful, methodical way that is not just about new tool sets and skill sets, but really at its foundation is about applying new mindsets. So it's finding a balance at those two speeds. Um, the second, I think very practically, is find anything that you do that is not differentiating or differentiated and outsource it to someone who can operate it at scale at much lower cost. And the two key things there is number one, it frees up your teams to focus on higher value transformational activities that are gonna have higher impact. And it also frees up money to invest in the transformation itself, because I don't know too many uh, companies I work with who complain that they have too much budget and don't know where they could possibly spend it. Don't exist. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> Uh, the, the third one is, you know, unfortunately realize that the clock is ticking. You know, one of the things I so often see are people who are brought into a role to be change agents, to run transformation and get caught up in that whack-a-mole game of the near, near-term value, near-term value, quick win. Um, so again, if you're operating at two speeds, you can deliver some quick wins while laying the groundwork for uh, the more transformational outcomes, again, as we discussed, you can still iteratively deliver quick wins. You want to do that. My recommendation there in order to do that, though, is, you know, find a modern, well, well-skilled outside partner who can give you both speed to the outcomes that you need to achieve while that clock is ticking and who can also work with your internal teams to upskill them in new ways of thinking and new ways of working so that you're building those muscles uh, for the long-term internally and your partner is really there just to get you speed to outcome and to make sure your teams are building those muscles. And then the fourth thing, sort of ending on a, I think, more positive note is, um, you know, remember, fortune favors the bold. Don't be afraid to be bold. I, I think that now is a time where uh, those who are overly cautious, unless one's company culture uh, dictates that, uh, will find themselves not making enough progress to warrant keeping their job in anywhere between you know one and three years. Wow, I I think these are very practical, but also need some boldness from the leaders that are out there and make some real decisions and stick to them. Um, I, I, I love this conversation, Gene. Thank you so much for giving us your and Accenture's perspective on, well, transformation. Thank you so much for this valuable conversation. It's been my, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Nika. You're welcome. Well, that was a great conversation. We've talked about so many things. And the two things that I will remember is uh, his five dimensions of growth. I think these are so important. And especially looking at it at data-driven CX perspective, we need this purpose-led element and then working through these five different dimensions. The other things that I like, that I really, really like, is his perspective on leadership on data-driven CX. It's these four elements you need to do and uh, be bold. Don't you think we all should be? So thank you so much, Gene, for your valuable insights. And of course, if you as a listener want to connect to him, please reach out through LinkedIn. And the info is in our notes. 
To learn more about data-driven CX, go to informatica.com CX. And of course, check our notes for much more resources, the eBooks we mentioned, and all things you want to learn on data-driven CX.